Hello and welcome to episode 109 of On The Ledge Podcast, teaching you how to take care of your houseplants since February 2017. I'm your host Jane Perone and this week we are entering the wonderful world of peperomias and I'm answering a question about a heart leaf fern. As regular listeners will know, On The Ledge podcast does get about a bit. And this weekend I shall be at Lullingstone Castle in Kent. That's the 21st and 22nd of September 2019 for the British Cactus and Succulent Society gathering known as Cactus World Live. I'm going to be doing a live recording at 1.30 on the Saturday and an audience with Jane Perone, that would be me, at 2pm on Sunday the 22nd so do come along if you possibly can there's going to be loads of other talks demonstrations and the chance to buy lots of lovely cacti and succulents and in more thrilling on the ledge news I recently did an interview for the BBC Radio 4 Extra show podcast radio hour which is a show about podcasts, surprisingly enough. They're doing a special on planty podcasts. So no wonder they spoke to me. And you can hear it today at 9pm BST on BBC Radio 4 Extra, but also, not surprisingly, as a podcast. And I'll put a link to that in my show notes. I haven't heard it myself yet, and I can't really remember what I said, but I'm sure it was all very, very intelligent and cogent. So do tune in or download the podcast And welcome if you happen to have listened to the podcast Radio Hour and decided that On The Ledge was for you. Great to have you here. Pull up a chair. Enjoy the show. Apologies in advance for the drain on your bank account as you start to acquire new houseplants. Yes, it's a real phenomenon. It does happen. And I suspect after today's show, you will be spending your money on peperomias because that's what we're focusing on today. This large and wonderful genus of plants, many of which are grown as houseplants. I recently went to visit Sally Williams, who's the national collection holder of peperomia in the United Kingdom. She was kind enough to show me around her extensive collection, all situated in her beautiful home in the countryside of the Peak District, which is situated roughly between Manchester and Sheffield, if you can picture that on a map. And I had so much fun talking to Sally and we spent so long discussing these plants that I've actually split the interview into two shows. So this week's show is devoted to part one of our chat and next week will be part two. And if you've not heard of the term National Plant Collection before, let me explain. In the UK, where I'm based, the charity Plant Heritage is trying to make sure that it conserves all the cultivated plants that we grow in the UK, whether that be indoors or outdoors. And the National Collection Scheme allows individual people or organisations to take charge of a particular group of plants and keep information about those plants for now and for the future for our understanding of them. 
So most of them are based around a particular genus or so you might have a, a group of daffodils or a group of oak trees or a group of ferns. And there's a website called nccpg.com where you can go and search for national collections and see what's out there. I'll put a link in my show notes. And Sally, well, she holds the national collection of the genus Peperomia. And here's Sally explaining how she goes about adding to her collection. In the whole genus, there's in the region of 1,600 species. Right. Uh, I am not attempting to go for anything like that. <laughs> I'm glad. Because that's species. We haven't even thrown varieties mm. um, and hybrids and cultivars into that. So I was thinking, here I am in the Peak District. I'm, I'm not in a tropical region around the world. I'm not going to go chasing after all the species. Some of them, admittedly, well, quite often with national plant collections, um, there's sometimes some of them are a bit weedy and you may mm-hmm. not necessarily there might be only plants a national collection holder would love so, yes right so if i'm uh, i i say that i concentrate on the cultivars but to do that you really do get involved with the species as well mm. so i get I, I basically collect any peperomia i can get my hands on but i don't worry too much if i haven't got every one of the 1600 you can't be completest when you've got 1600 species that's an awful and that's lot that's not including the cultivars yeah and, and then you've got all the cultivars <laughs> and it really is a plant that has uh, that has because of its delight as a house plant there are yeah. a lot of cultivars out there yes. particularly yes. with certain species yeah but how do you know what's a peperomia in the first place? Well, as Sally explains, it's all down to flower shape. All plants are uh, classified by their flowers. So right. all peperomia have got a bract, a ovary, a single ovary, which produces a single seed, and two stamens. Okay. So that means that's, that's a peperomia. Uh, and then they now, more recently, they've been able to back that up with... DNA and there's the with them saying they're so different uh, they're uh, in from tropical regions all around the world and there's so many different habitats Mm -hmm. that they've developed adaptations to be able to cope with the different habitats so that's why um, but they are all peperomia over time uh, when they were first found they were often called different names so they were peperomia now includes what were a lot of different genera and they've been um, changed and decided that they are actually peperomia um yeah that's amazing <laughs> i mean and it's i guess it's a testament to the plant that this they've adapted to so many different environments yeah and yeah, so different. yet they're still peperomias which yes. is one of the things we love about them um yeah. Let's let's go on. I'm I'm excited to see what else you have to show me. Just let me jump in here and say do get the show notes for this episode up on your phone or laptop while you're listening because I'm going to provide lots of links and pictures to the plants we talk about which will help your enjoyment no end. Right, back to Sally. We're now in her lovely farmhouse kitchen which boasts, not surprisingly, a beautiful array of peperomias. These ones are here. Sometimes they're just ones that I really want to keep an eye on uh, uh-huh. because uh, uh, they're, they're very special. So they might be new ones to me or something. So I'm just making sure I've got the um, the environment right. The other thing, it's a south-facing window. I haven't got oh, that okay. many south-facing windows for the real succulent ones. Uh-huh. Um, and then also because in my plant room where I keep um, most of the collection, uh, they are, they're, they're in there and they're just 
basically by species, by cultivar. And it does, I mean, it's a room for a plant, but mm. it doesn't look as wonderful as when you mix up the different leaf shapes, sizes, colors, textures, um, and you can really appreciate the diversity of the you really can looking at these plants you can really see i mean there's obviously some that i'm oh yes there's that there's there's a a stray fern in there which we'll just ignore Um, but uh, that's fine i mean you know you don't have to ban all other plants there's lots of ones that will be very very familiar to most listeners here Uh, the lovely watermelon peperomia of which yours is a beautiful specimen and of course the raindrop peperomia uh, polybotria which is beautiful um but there's some things here that i would not be able to identify as a peperomia i mean i wouldn't immediately this one here is fraser i wouldn't immediately strike me as peperomia ish yeah um, are these are these all plants that you've managed to obtain easily or, or how is getting hold of peperomias in the uk um i do a lot of research and i do buy from specialist nurseries mm-hmm. and because specialist nurseries know that I'm interested sometimes lovely people they will contact me and say look I've got some of these I haven't got enough to sell I don't really know what the name is no, no, no. would you would you like mm-hmm. some um, and so so I have got some that way um, but I have been collecting them for years and so it's it's very cyclical about which ones become available mm-hmm. so one year there was lots of this one for sale which is Peperomia blanda, um, and I wasn't particularly impressed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I've grown it, and I've seen its lovely, lovely furry mm. stems. Yeah, um, it's become one of my favourites. But I haven't seen that for sale for two, three years now. So, it's interesting. This, so, yeah. this fashion's changed. Well, tell me how this all began for you. How, uh, you said you've been growing them for many years. Um, what was it about peperomias that made you go all out for them? And I'm not really a flowers <laughs> person. I'm not a big flowers person, which is good with peperomia. <laughs> yes. So I saw a peperomia caparata, not the cultivar I've got here, which is Lillian with the cristate inflorescences, which are really the no, it's um, fasciculated. Um, it was just the straight one with the mouse tail inflorescences, mm-hmm. and I think it was a combination of the the crinkly leaves, the funny flower spike, and the the tongue twister name that I really <laughs> liked and that was um, I was 12 when I got my first one and then I went through a, a patch where um, because I was doing a lot with my garden I really didn't do much um, with houseplants and also mm. um, family mm. but now um, the boys have grown up now I the last few years I've been able to um, spend a lot more time uh, with the plants yeah, and that was that was interesting because I started collecting peperomia. I had a few peperomia, and I just had no idea about the diversity when I started collecting them. And that I think maybe happens for other national park collection holders that the more you find out about them, they become absolutely fascinating. Mm, mm, yes, that's you get drawn further and further yeah. in, don't you, to the yeah. to the obsession. Yeah. And they're great house plants on the whole because they are quite easy to grow but that said people do slip up what are your peperomia for the general species that people are likely to find in their local garden center can you offer us any any pearls of wisdom on looking after these plants where do people go wrong Overwatering, really but also if the uh, compost that they're growing in is too compacted they really like an open com- uh, compost they, their roots really like to have air around them um, and so quite often often for convenience nurseries will grow them in um, pure compost which quickly gets compacted mm. and so you're 
um, peperomia after a few months can just suffocate really. Um, also, if that becomes completely dried out, it won't re-wet. Um, so I use a mix of uh, two parts peat-free general purpose, one part perlite, one part orchid bark for the, the majority of my peperomias. Mm-hmm. Well, they're all looking very, very well on it, I have to say. And I'm particularly curious about this little clutch of uh, bell jars in front of us, which have got some things, again, that I wouldn't necessarily have identified that one, um, with the tiniest, tiniest leaves. Um, These sort of trailing um, or creeping peperomias. They obviously need high humidity, but can you tell us a bit more about what these are? So uh, these ones are are all dependent on high humidity as you as you um, guessed there um, and so the uh, the one with the tiny tiny leaves this is e marginella and uh, they, they form creeping mats they're they're epiphytic this group um, some of them are a bit larger um, peperomia serpens um, there's some interesting ones in this group uh, I, I don't normally have them right here because we wouldn't be able to use the kitchen. <laughs> I love the fact you've got them on this Lazy Susan, though. That's well, I have the best facing window. possible so, use yeah, so for I a Lazy turn Susan. It one way around every day, oh, and so they grow up right instead of going towards the light. Um, I've so, got a Lazy Susan in the back of my cupboard somewhere. I'm getting it out and putting plants <laughs> on it when I get home. Yeah. So these ones here look as if they're virtually the same mm. plant. Um, difficult to tell between them um, and theoretically you, you might not be able to tell between them one is uh, peperomia bangroana and the other one is peperomia rotundifolia and so one the bangroana that grows in africa and the other one is um, an american so central south american plant and the only way you can tell between them is their flower spike the length of the flower spike and the length of the um, peduncle supporting the flower spike is different and the comparisons between the two is different and so that's why they're given different species okay and that highlights one of the problems with identifying them Mm. when you've bought them in cultivation if you don't know which country they've originally come from (laughs) right you you can be struggling to find out exactly which species it is and you're waiting for them to flower so that it can take a while but these i can imagine would be lovely as a sort of a little bit of a green as a green layer with other things yeah but because of the plant collection i have to keep them yes you've got to keep yours isolated but i can yeah. see how they'd work really well for that i have to say i did i now know why i killed my uh peperomia bangro whatever bangroana yeah. because i didn't realize it needed that much humidity so that's why i destroyed that but yeah. <laughs> i mean that's the thing isn't it again you're knowing where the plant is from is so useful in identifying what you need to do and yeah, how you need to look yeah. after it. Well, this one comes from Sierra, Le- Sierra Leone and it was uh, found near the river Bagru in Sierra Leone. But whoever wrote down the name wrote down Bangru. <laughs> so it, because that was the name it was first described as, that's how that's the, oh, it's got to stay. It's got to stay like that. Yeah. Oh, I guess this is what happens. Human error creeps in uh, yeah. and then uh, you, we get these unusual names. Yes. Yeah. Do you uh, your knowledge must be growing all the time? Are you still acquiring new plants for your collection? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's lovely because nurseries will uh, then highlight a plant, and that might be available for a year or so. Mm. Um, or mm. sometimes a collector will then have produced enough of uh, a difficult to grow plant that they have some to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but also researching into them, I spend a lot of time researching them. Uh, and uh, that changes things as well. Names change, um, classifications change. 
Uh, so there's there's always a lot to be doing with them. There's mm. so many different leads to be looking into. I'm sure. And do you ever sort of walk into a garden centre, you know, just minding your own business, going in for something completely different and suddenly come across some cultivar that you've not seen before and get terribly excited? Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Usually I know that they're around because I review the breeders. There's a few breeders mm. um, on the continent who grow um, peperomia. So usually I know that they are, uh, that they've developed something and that it's going to be available. Right. But it's when I can get hold of it. So, yeah, so it does happen and it's yes, very exciting. I'm sure. I'm sure I'd be jumping up and down with joy yes. when you find something like that. Yeah. And uh, trying not to look too overexcited so they charge you double because you just <laughs> I must have this plant. Yeah. And do they ever turn up in unexpected places? You know, like, I don't know, I've been occasionally been to sort of like a jumble sale or you're walking past and somebody's having a church plant sale and you go in and suddenly there's this incredible plant. I, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but that's another exciting moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, because um, quite often nurseries and, and will sell out will um, produce a pack of foliage plants mm. then they can turn up in the oddest places i've got one plant which i've never seen for sale anywhere else that i got in the local morrisons and <laughs> it must have been foliage plant and i was walking past and i thought what mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a, a peperomia trinovia and um yeah the so, trouble is, though, that makes you really not ignore any plant tray oh, that you ever see because yes. you're always looking for those treasures, aren't you? Yes, so, um, yeah. yeah, that is a peril. But, uh, well, I mean, that's it's a treasure hunt, isn't it, partly? Um, it is. And I guess that's the delight of concentrating on a single genus that yes. you can do that. Yeah. With the great burst of excitement about houseplants, have you seen a increased in excitement about your own collection? Have you had more people getting in touch or...? Possibly. It's it's difficult to say. I think because of the nature of the genus, they're a very ancient genus, they're very primitive. So anybody who knows about plants has got a bit, they sort of have a, oh yeah, peperomia, because mm. they're, they're, they're unusual. They're, 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 they're not monocotyledons and they're not eudicots and not true dicotyledons. They're in the magnolia clade, which are very primitive. Um, and that is possibly one of the reasons for the, the great diversity, because they've been evolving for so long. Uh, so I think there's always been a bit of interest in them. Uh, yeah, but and I think more people are getting interested. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's, you know, the sort of the plants that are the sort of the... Uh, the poster plants, the, the watermelon peperomia, you know, yeah. which is all over Instagram, but not everyone grows it as well as yours looks. Um, do you have, are there any particular secrets to making those watermelon peperomias grow well? My problem, I'm just going to try to get you to solve my problems right now is, um, when I do cuttings and maybe this will not happen with your technique, which we've already discussed is distorted leaves on young growth where the, the edges of the leaves will be cut. And not through any, I, I don't think I've done many damage, but they kind of come up kind of distorted. I don't know what. I've certainly have them coming up um, crinkly, but yes, then they tend to flatten out. They flatten out, out over yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. I've had a, one or two where they've actually come out, as I say, with all kind of raggedy edges. Yes. And I'm thinking, what have I done? But I wonder whether your actual, uh, your your technique that I've now started to adopt with the pots might, whether there's any damage that happens while they're kind of, I don't know how I'm doing it. But anyway, that's interesting to know that, um, that, uh, yeah, that that's not a problem that's well known about. It's probably just my, my <laughs> well, strange way. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, that, that's <laughs> yes. good to know. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, well, with the Peperomia, we've got these high humidity ones. Yep. Um, and over there, these are some of the very low, the high altitude ones. So, what, what name was the species that we might have heard of that's in that? Dolibriformis. Oh, yes. Peperomia okay. dolibriformis. Yep. Now, this is one of the areas where there's a lot of hybrids around. Okay. Um, and people might really not know what a good dolibriformis looks like. And here I am. <laughs> this is um, Dolibriformis var lombardii which gives you the idea mm. it's got very very thin leaves and they've got a definite cleaver shape mm. uh, with only a tiny line on the top that's called the window that so is a that's a, as is actually a window as yes. other succulent plants have if, yeah if you yeah. imagine that um, the leaf is flat and then mm. to conserve water the two sides fold up so mm. that there's only a really thin strip Mm-hmm. of the, the top surface, the adaxial surface left, then uh, that is what the, the fenestrate group, which is the window group of peperomias, um, what, what they have as a means of conserving water. Mm. So this one is a very, very rare one. It's the, the, the brown-purple leafed form. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of the green leaf form. Um, so then you get some of the really... Uh, another one that you might have seen around is Asperula, oh, which yes. is green. Yeah. Now, Asperula means rough. Um, and mm. most of the ones around are not particularly rough. So they're have, possibly a hybrid. Have a feel. Uh, yes, if you want to see, a, this is a, a more a, akin to the first description of a pepperu, uh, of a, an asperulia, asperula, where they're, it's purpley brown and the outsides of the leaves are rough. Mm. If you feel mm. rough. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, that is rougher, isn't it? Yeah. This is a recent one that I've only had for a few months, which I was just so excited to hear. Oh, oh, yes. That's this kind is, of curious. Um, yeah, Peperomia hutchinsoni. Very, very textured. Sort of toad-like. Uh, yes, just like toads. Yeah, it's Tiny amazing. window along the top. Yes. And these, if you can grow succulents, are these kind of a similar, other succulent plants like, say, crassulas or senesios, is it a similar care regime? They need lots of light and... Yeah. Mean on the water? Yes. Yeah. 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 Virtually no watering over the winter. Yeah. Um, and I keep them on a south-facing windowsill. And it, well. among, yeah. is there's the, the Peperomia happy bean cultivar, yes. is yeah. that related at all to those? Because that seems yes. to have that's a similar... Also a fenestrate oh, that is... with the window. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's the, probably the one that we might recognise that, you know, you do is quite widely available. And again, I guess people are kind of surprised that they are, that there is this subsection of, of very succulent ones, but... It's worth knowing that, isn't it? Because yes. that's has yeah. such an effect. It's so disappointing if you uh, overwater these and uh, end up yeah. uh, with a mush. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my favourites is columella, uh, which was available quite widely for a mm. bit this year. Yes. And that is, again, it's you can see it's got its little window on it. Um, but I think that people got it, sort of peperomia, um, thought high humidity, give it a bit of water. Um, and, and I think a lot rotted away, which mm. is sad. Yes, they're, they're, yes. They're really a nice plant. And of course, the caparata is an old favourite that's been around for forever. You know, yes, I'm always going yeah. on about Dr. Hussein's houseplant expert, and yes. obviously that features there. Yes. I mean, it's a plant that has kind of went out of popularity for a long time. I think it was seen as being a bit of a, I don't know, people went off it, but people are t- totally getting back into it now. Yes. Are you seeing lots of interesting, you've got this fasciated flower that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. You're seeing new interesting cultivars coming through of that yes, one? Yes, there's some, there's some really lovely ones. There was, um, uh, a new one that was uh, brought out this year called uh, Kita with mm. um, a lovely orangey red uh, colouring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and you... do any of these cope with 
deeper shade? Are there any peperomias that you can cope that can cope with deep shade, or, or are they mostly apart from these fenestrated ones? The old story of kind of bright indirect light. What what's your, the light situation with most of them? Yes, I would say obtusifolia is pretty tough, mm. and so you could uh, you could have that in quite a shady spot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are a few. Um, a lot of them have uh, a lot of peperomia. I've, I've mentioned that they have different adaptations to different habitats, and one of the adaptations they have to low light conditions is a red colouring on the undersurface of the leaf, like mm. like this one um, that uh, Eden Rosso hybrid, which. If you have it in too strong light, that red colouring can fade. So that is something. If you if it's got a red underneath of its leaf, it will be able to cope with um, deeper shade levels. Mm-hmm. And it's thought that that um, the anthocyanin in those cells they're direct, uh, directly below the um, chlorophyll um, containing the photosynthetic cells, and it's thought that it's backscatter from light that mm-hmm. helps it absorb light in mm-hmm. low light conditions. So that's another indicator that one will any of those with that will probably be able to put up with low light conditions as well. Well, I have to say, is that incarna there on the? Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, my incarna, which I've actually got from a, from a lovely listener called June. Um, I have it on a very, it's really not getting much light at all. And it hasn't grown a lot, but it's, it's absolutely fine. It yeah. seems to be, so the, lots of them are very, very tough. And yes. I guess that's why yeah. we love them and they will adapt to different conditions, yeah. um, which is fantastic. And I just love the v- sheer variety of different kinds of leaves they have. I mean, looking at your wonderful raindrop peperomia, that leaf is a good, I don't know how wide that is. That's a good 12, yeah. 15 centimetres across that leaf. It's just, so lovely and dramatic yes i just and i can't glossy and, yeah um, how can you not love that leaf it's just it's beautiful yeah. so i'm yes it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful genus and yeah. i'm 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 very excited to see <laughs> <laughs> your plants <laughs> i know i know you've now got even more plants on your wish list than you had before do go and check out the show notes at janeperone.com for lots of information and tips on peperomias and also details of sally's national collection if you were wondering about the propagation technique we were talking about in that interview then that will be covered in part two next week along with our trip into sally's plant room yes we haven't even got to her main collection yet and we'll also be answering some of your peperomia questions so do look out for that episode next friday and you'll just need to subscribe to on the ledge on your pod app of choice to make that an automatic addition to your listening pleasure. That's what WRQ95 in Japan did. And they left a lovely review on Apple Podcasts for me, telling me that On The Ledge is the perfect plant podcast for the busy Tokyo commute to work. How exciting to think of people listening to On The Ledge in Japan. That's just awesome. And in another part of the world, Carolina got in touch to comment on the Oxalis Triangularis episode. Carolina is from Colombia in South America with the Instagram account at soy.plantastica. That's S-O-Y dot plantastica. And she reminded me something I forgot to mention in that Oxalis show, which is that like the other members of this genus, it's a nitrogen fixing plant. So it's used as a companion plant for urban agriculture. What's a nitrogen fixing plant? Well, these plants have special nodules attached to the roots, which contain special bacteria that help to draw 
nitrogen out of the air and turn it into nitrogen that plants can actually use for growth. It's a pretty awesome adaptation that some plants have and oxalis is one of them. So that's something else to conjure with when you're looking at your beautiful purple false leaf shamrock. And Carolina also suggests using Oxalis triangularis as ground cover for taller houseplants, which is a brilliant idea. If you had a really tall strelitzia or a palm, this would look great around the bottom of the pot. And underplanting like that has lots of benefits for both plants. So do give that a try. And thank you, Carolina, for getting in touch. Thanks this week to Kat, Christopher and Frankie who've all become patrons of On The Ledge this week. It's a great way to support the show and if you pledge $5 a month or more you get extra content too. Find out how to do that in the show notes at janeperone.com. And now it's time for question of the week. Erin from Sydney, Australia, got in touch with a question about her heart leaf fern some time ago. Thankfully, she sent me a reminder about this question, which is why I'm picking it up now. So apologies, Erin, it's taken a while to get back to you. She says that this fern has been going downhill fast and she says that nobody seems to know the answer. So this all started at the beginning of winter in Sydney, where her house doesn't usually drop below about 15 centigrade overnight, she says. And the first in a brightly lit bathroom and it's usually kept moist even possibly a little bit wet and she doesn't know what to do to revive her to make this fern beautiful and happy again and Erin has sent a photograph and compared to some of the photographs of ferns I get sent I have to be honest Erin it doesn't look too bad yes there is some browning to the edges of the leaves with some yellow bits and I can see some leaves looking a bit miserable but I can also see that there are leaves in the center that are nice and dark green and firm and don't seem to be too distressed so what can you do with your heart leaf fern so I think this is most likely Hemionitis arifolia, the heart leaf fern, which is a smallish fern with kind of leathery leaves. It's a very attractive plant. And it does love to stay moist at all times. So, so far, so good. I think it, in the bathroom is a good setting for it where humidity is quite high and it sounds like Erin's giving it lots of moisture. I don't know how long you've had this plant, Erin, but the other obvious thing to do with any fern that's in a bit of distress like this is to pop it under some glass. This could be a big bell jar. It could be sticking it in some kind of terrarium or fish tank. Anything that you can provide that provides a buffer between the outside world and the plant itself. That has two, that performs two functions. It locks in humidity in the air around the plant and also it provides a buffer against changing temperatures. So given that you're talking about winter when this problem first started, it may be that the temperature is fluctuating day and night if you've turned the heating off uh, and the plant may not be too happy with that. Some plants like a change of temperature from day to night, but others like things to be kept more steady. And I think in the case of this fern, it would that providing that buffer of the glass around the plant would probably help to just settle it down a bit. And because this is quite a, a diddy little fern, it's easy enough to find something to put it in. It's not like a, a huge Boston fern, which you couldn't possibly contain under glass unless you've got a very large fish tank. So 
stick some glass over this and see what happens would be my advice. I'd also maybe try looking at the potting mix that it's in if you haven't repotted it since you've got it and making sure it's quite an open airy mix. Roots of ferns like to be well aerated and there can be a problem that that just gets completely solid and massed around the roots and the roots can't breathe properly which can manifest itself in unhappy leaves so I'd take the plant out of its pot and investigate what's going on if you don't want to put it under glass the other thing you could do is the technique known as double potting uh, this is where you put your pot into a second larger pot and you can put um, pebbles or you could put moss uh, which you keep damp uh, around the in, in between the gap in the gap between the two pots and this helps to increase humidity uh, you could also put water at the bottom of the outer pot if it's um uh, if it's waterproof and then allow put some wicks in the bottom and allow that water to be soaked up by the plant as it needs it rather than just pouring water in which just sits there around the roots uh, if you put water into the outer pot it won't be sitting in the roots but it will be available for the plant to use uh misting yes misting is a good thing uh for ferns and won't do any harm but yeah the two techniques I've suggested are a lot less work once they're in place and uh, I just would forget to do the misting uh, as often as I would need to do it so check those techniques out and see if either of those work for you but I reckon that your Hartley fern has some good life left in it so I really do hope it recovers. Erin keep me posted and let me know how it goes. If you've got a question for On The Ledge, drop me a line on the ledge podcast at gmail.com and I will do my best to answer as much detail as you can provide is always useful. Pictures and information about where you are and how long you've had your plant is often very handy when answering these questions. on the ledge podcast this week i'll be back next friday with part two of pepperomias do check out my instagram this week j.l.perone where i'll be showcasing some of the pepperomias that i'm growing for now have a great week take care bye music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops, Rasham Pidity Bakara by Samuel Corwin, and Overthrown by Josh Woodward, with advertising music from the Heftone Banjo Orchestra with the tracks Whistling Rufus and Dill Pickles. All these tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. See my show notes at janeperone.com for details. <laughs>